Hey everybody, it's Michael Martin. Happy Tuesday. So today we're going to talk about, you know, bridging the knowing doing gap. And we do that in trading and you do that in the market with entering your stops, right? That is where you are decisive. That's where you demonstrate your level of decisiveness and your conviction and your idea is you do the data dump, you scrape the data, you rake it for the gems, you have your watch list, and then you can do it several ways. You can use a simulator, such as trading blocks or Mechanica, or whatever it is you might be using. I prefer to use and I recommend things that you can test at the portfolio level, not at name by name, um, because you're going to likely have many names in your portfolio at the same time, not just one. And so you need to see that behavior and its effect on the most important thing that you're doing, and that is managing your account balance and playing superior defense. That's what pros do is they focus on playing defense. So when you have a team on the field, i.e. you have several names in your portfolio, your job is to maintain order and to see how they all behave together, see how they play off one another. And you can only really do that when you can simulate and, and test your ideas over 10, 20 years, 10 being the minimum, 20 years being what I would shoot for, you know, and see how various names would have performed. Don't forget to add back in the names that don't trade anymore. We talked about that in the previous episode so that you're not just looking at survivors. You need to add back the names of the companies that got merged or acquired. You need to Put back in the names that got delisted or went broke or bankrupt, like Enron and Bear Stearns, so that you're looking at, you're looking through a lens of a, the real world, as real as you can get it. And so, whether you're reading charts or going through the simulation, then you have to come up with where your entry is going to be. What I would not do is sit there waiting to pounce with your mouse and try to do things at the market. Right? You want to put your orders in ahead of time when you, everything is calm and clear and you have lucidity and you can you know, think calmly. I think you put yourself in a video game mode when you're trying to you know, sit there and do it on the fly. You know, there is no real way for a beginner or someone who's trying this out to dissociate him or herself from the market gyrations and not get tied into how much money you could be making or otherwise or even losing. In, you know, if we're speaking about protective stops. So what you want to do is get in the habit of putting those stops in ahead of time. Because that will tell you a lot about yourself. First, you have to answer the question is why are you not doing it if you are not doing it? What is that telling you about yourself? Do you feel like you're more in control? I would argue against that. You're not in control. You might think you are, but you're not. And by not putting your stops in, you leave yourself open to all the things that, all the pratfalls, all the things that can go wrong with you, and you are the weakest link in your risk management system. So by putting in the stops, you kind of avoid a lot of that necessary stuff, like you know, closing your eyes when you're about to get your flu shot, or closing your eyes when you know, they're about to draw blood for a blood test, right? Sometimes it's better for you if you don't see the needle, if you don't see the blood, right? I'm just making an example. So that, that tells you, the, why do you do it? Well, because what you want to also do is not have to fight the forces of the market. If your orders are already in the, in the trade book, in the limit and stops, right? And the market trades through those prices, you're 
you don't have any latency, right? There's no lag time between how quickly you can act, despite how quickly, you know, you can act, how quick your mouse might be, how quickly your refresh rate is on your screen. And of course, the latency from your machine to where the order is entered, then the order has to be sent to the exchange. Servers could be co-located. Of course, we're talking milliseconds, microseconds, you know, whatever. But all that time can work against you. So what you do is you exercise patience. You certainly exercise and demonstrate your level of, of professionalism by putting your stops in ahead of time and letting the market come to you. The benefit, another benefit is that you're not chasing. You're not wondering the who, what, when, where, why, and how of things is you're putting in those orders accordingly and then the market will come to you. Of course, a stop order, just as a review, is a suspended order. Nothing is executed until the security trades at or through that price, at which point they become market orders. So it could get filled above or below your stop price. But in my experience, all that slippage and skid tends to net out. I don't get too crazy about putting you know, limits on my stops because then things become less liquid. And the more qualifiers you put on your orders, I think it makes it harder for you to manage risk. Now, you can do that, you know, maybe by, you know, March 2021 sugar at 1350 stop limit for one contract. But if you're trying to fill anything where you know in the past there hasn't been one fill price, like try to try to get 10 contracts, for example, at that 1350. I think you'd be hard pressed to get filled on all 10 at one time. You might get three or four. And then if the market moves away from you, the problem is, is that if your limit is 1350 and the market goes 5152, you have to actually see the market come back in order for you to get the remaining six contracts. I think that works against you because you're being cheap. And those extra ticks of skid, um, are, you're more worried about uh, eliminating slippage and skid than you are about making money. Now, if you put the stops in the right spot in the first place, you'll, you'll notice your old temp to put them in a spot where the momentum's going to push through and carry you to profitability after the order is filled. Doesn't always happen that way, but that's the thinking behind it. So you serve yourself greatly by putting those orders in ahead of time and then letting the market activity unfold. If it doesn't get filled, sometimes that's really good because you don't want to go chasing. You don't want to preempt your rules because you emotionally feel like you're missing out and you need to get exposure, right? That's typically a fool's errand, and I don't think you're serving your clients, the public, by doing that. So you can have peace as a process and evolve day after day after day by leaving your orders in the market that way and letting the market come to you. It becomes a very zen way of managing risk, which keeps you in control, at least of your own behavior. Because now you're at a spot where you enter your orders and you have surrendered, which is chapter two of the book, to the fact that you're largely powerless over everything. The market's either going to go up, it's going to go down and go sideways for whatever it is that you're looking at. 
But I think if you're acting in the capacity of fiduciary, you owe it to your clients to not act out of emotion, even if they call you with very emotional concerns. There has to be one boss on the account and it has to be you. You can't listen to people and say, I, I don't care what happens. I don't want to miss out. NVIDIA is going to report Wednesday or whatever after the close and I know it's going up 50 bucks. You know, these are obviously challenging phone calls to have to people because they have strong opinions and it is their money. But you have to establish early on that if they're hiring you to run the money, that it's your call. And no matter where you are, you're sitting at the head of the table. Because the old saying of too many chefs spoil the broth is alive and kicking in this type of situation. And I can remember, I think it was Michael Marcus who told me, you know, if you try to run my system, Ed's system, Bruce's system, you know, your system, all at the same time, you're going to get the worst of, of all of it. So you have to follow your rules and you have to follow them consistently. And that's how you get the expected values that you're looking for. You can't fall victim to other people's strong emotional uh, you know, outbursts. And that's when you could recommend to them that they open up a separate account where they can exercise what they want to do. But if you're running a portfolio for them, then everything in that portfolio has to homogeneously be from your system. Because otherwise, you're going to always be looking over your shoulder and trying to trade somebody else's rules and that becomes very problematic. And so by demonstrating your sense of discipline by putting in your stops, you kind of coach the client on how things are done and just how great the chasm is between acting like an amateur and doing things professionally. Professionals manage risk. They try to keep the losses small and they act in a very calm manner and a professional manner and they manage the risk day after day after day. And that's that consistency that gets the people the results that they want. When you're all over the place and you're chasing every car that goes down the street like a dog, you're going to have a chaotic life. You're going to have chaotic performance. And so you get to decide how you want to do that, but it starts with you. And I think the earliest place it can start with is when you enter in your stops and you just let them sit there. If you don't get filled, you come back and enter the same ones tomorrow. And that's the way it works. If you'd like a free copy of the audiobook version of The Inner Voice Trading, help yourself. It's at Martin Chronicle. You can go get it. It's free. Thank you for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.